Welcome to Friendly Competition, a podcast to discover the best of all time. I'm Nick Keller, and alongside my co-host and best friend, Cody Lena, we discuss various pop culture topics and narrow it down to truly the best of all time. Or as we like to call it, the boat. But before anyone can step foot on the boat, we put them into a Sweet 16-style tournament, and we argue each round until we decide a winner. Nick, what criteria do we use when we decide who steps foot on the boat? Whatever the hell we want, Cody. But this season, we're also going to use the knowledge of our guest expert Shane Schroeder Shane I'm here thanks for having me yeah do you want to tell the people what we're talking about this season yeah man we're talking about uh gangsters slash crime slash mob type movies anything to do with uh the criminal enterprise and we're narrowing it down through uh through the tournament and basically just to give like a quick synopsis of why I came to these films I wanted to mix it up quite a bit and not just stick with the regular run-of-the-mill all-time favorite gangster movies I wanted to include some comedies and some lighthearted shit in there too awesome yes and if you and if you don't believe that go check out group a (laughs) especially when we get to who the winner of that is you will see that yeah they're these are not all your traditionals although in this one I mean we do have you know one of the the premiere yeah let's just jump into the genre yeah yeah this is a little more strict on this one yeah this one gets a little bit tighter so we have here in the four seed no country for old men going up against the 13 seed american gangster and then we also have the five seed goodfellas going up against 12 seed reservoir dogs any one of you leaning a certain way shane which one are you gonna (laughs) talk about first which which uh baby do you want to uh let's go with no country and american gangster Let's awesome. do it. Let's, I am uh, proud to say I've seen every movie in this bracket. This one. Have you really? Nice. Yep. That's awesome. I'm We're good it, to go. Same thing that happened to me last time. I've seen two of them and the two I saw are paired together right away. So that will be. <laughs> and in this, and in this case, I have not seen either No Country for Old Men or American Gangster. So Shane, do you mind giving us that quick rundown of what, of these movies? Yeah, absolutely. So American Gangster, um, I mean, you can't go wrong with Denzel Washington. He's probably my favorite actor of all time. I mean, he's just, he always plays Denzel, but he's always consistent, <laughs> you know? So he's just fucking great. And well, when you're that, uh, when you're that but, fucking cool, you don't oh, yeah, need to yeah, play dude. a bunch of other characters. You're just fucking cool all the time. He's so yeah. fucking cool. <laughs> God damn, he's good, man. I've never seen a bad, not that I can remember, a bad Denzel movie. And then Russell Crowe is uh, the second lead in this movie. And it's just like, it's another one of those movies that's, pretty much star studded but they don't really advertise it as much they just kind of say it's russell crowe and denzel but like cuba gooding jr josh brolin ted levine the guy who played the uh the creep in uh the fucking hannibal lecter movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's in it as like the chief of i think the chief of the fbi or the chief of police or something like that are you just not going to mention rizza you're just going to oh yeah rizza's in there too (laughs) it's It's tricky though because rizza likes plays a really small well not really small but He's, he's in there for probably a, a combined four minutes in the entire movie. But <laughs> he's just enough. like one of the gangs who's trying to go after uh, Denzel. Denzel plays like a guy who's newly kind of alone in the in the crime world because his boss kicked it. And so the opening scene of the movie is him like dying off. And Denzel's basically got to step in and kind of take over as far as like collections and everything like that. And everybody's honing in on his ex-boss's territory. So he's got to, he's going to, take the reins and do his thing but yeah it's a great movie i mean this is another one of those that unfortunately a lot of these movies that we picked on paper don't don't sound that great but it's just the acting and the the cinematography and everything like that everything about the movie is just fucking cool and it's dark 
and it takes place in kind of a bygone era. I think it takes place in like the late sixties, early seventies, something like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's great, great soundtrack too. Don't and Josh Brolin fucking slays in this movie. He plays the biggest dickhead of a cop in the world. Like he's on a take for everybody. He's selling drugs. He's Josh Brolin is fucking amazing in this movie, which is weird because Josh Brolin is in the other movie. Oh, yeah, lead. yeah. Josh Brolin, Russell Crowe also making a second appearance. We we mentioned this, uh, well, I guess you all won't have heard that, but we were talking about how there really seems to be in the same way that organized crime is very much a family. And once you're in, you're in. Yeah, once you start making these movies, you just are gonna get cast in these roles. Like there's yeah. you, there's just a guaranteed spot for you in any organized crime as long as you've done like one good one. You always have room to get into the uh, the old mob scene. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a it's a very incestuous casting choice that, yeah. that, that all these movies have. Well, but it I, works. I mean, and I think American Gangster has you know that quality of like being really one of the bigger, if not biggest, and main uh, as far as like actually showing like the black side of organized crime. It's not just yeah. all like yeah. fucking Italians and Irish dudes. There's a, and they also everyone can like... get in on the crime. Everyone's doing it. <laughs> and it's cool to, you know, and like to like glamorize it. I mean, that's cause that's the fun part about these movies is that it makes you want to do crime. Like there's sure. no getting around that. You're like, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it when we get into Goodfellas, but like literally that's the whole start of the movies. He's like, they look fucking cool. So I wanted to be the cool kids. That's yeah, all it and- was. Well, in American Gangster, they kind of like go into the not the bad part of the crime. Like he's feeding like a whole community. He's opening like he's paying and supplying food shelters. Like you see how these people get ingrained in the community. And that's why no one turns on them and narcs on them. It's why they're yeah, he positions himself to be kind of the Robin Hood of that particular area of New York. And it's actually based on a true story, which is really interesting. And what he did and why he became so infamous is he cut out the middleman. Like he just went straight to Thailand and bought directly from the pop, the, whoever was running the poppy fields over there. And he brought a bunch of shit over that was a hundred percent pure. And he sold it at half the price of what everybody else was selling it for. So every, you know, all of his competitors obviously fucking hated him and wanted his head. And he just, he basically just proved himself with a better product for a lot cheaper. The original breaking bed. Yeah. I was going to say the original Etsy. Yeah. Does that feel as as similar? A lot of parallels between Etsy and American Gangster. (laughs) There's no getting around it. I fucking knew it. That's my my big screenplay. Before (laughs) Shane gives his thing for No Country for Old Men, it's based off the book No Country for Old Men by Cormac McCarthy. And that's where my issue with this whole thing is. I realize the people listening don't know what I'm talking about. Before we start recording, I said I had an issue with this. Cormac McCarthy doesn't use any goddamn punctuation in his book. I didn't know that. I've never read Cormac McCarthy. I don't know. I I tried to read No Control Man. I quit. There's no quotation marks. There's no like. I don't even know if there's even a period. I think it's one that's what I'm like. Long. There's no but no period. I think it's it, just it a is strange. Sentence, dude. I was trying the stream of consciousness thing yeah, that uh, it's a stream on the road. Just a stream. I get that, but it's just it's not a good read. It's a I good do. read, but it's not a pleasant like to look at read. I guess. But it's I also do. interesting and because he also wrote Oil, which is what uh, There Will Be Blood is based on, and these those two movies came out like the exact same month. And they were both great fucking movies. This came out the same time as There Will Be Blood? Yeah. Yeah, this came out within a month of each other, I think. Yeah, I get these so confused because I was like, when I saw when I first saw this on the list, I was like, oh, cool. I'll finally be able to see the scene where he's like, I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. <laughs> and then I like pulled it up and I was like, oh, no, it's the one where Javier Bardem has a bowl cut and yeah, walks around with a shotgun. Not saying that uh-huh. that's not cool either. But I was I was ready for a different experience. That's for sure. 
Yeah. Okay. And Woody Harrelson is in this one too. We, we are finding a lot of common threads, like this <laughs> very incestuous casting again. It's fucking weird. Proving it. So do you want to give what is, so what's the story on no country for old men? So it's been a while since I've seen this one, but it, it's always like been one of my favorites because it's basically just a, a really long game of hide and seek that involves guns and drugs <laughs> and the Mexican cartel. Wait, hold on. Sorry. Pause. You, are you implying that your games of hide and seek don't involve guns and the Mexican cartel? With mine. <laughs> oh, fucking coward. All right. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. With towels on. Yeah. But listen, that's, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, so Josh Brolin, I think um, it's been, like I said, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I think one of the opening scenes is Brolin's out hunting and he, he kind of stumbles upon just kind of a ravaged scene where there's a bunch of bloody bloody mobsters and like uh some of the lower ranking affiliates with whatever organization is like making the transaction between drugs and money and he stumbles on the drugs i believe and then he also stumbles on money and later he just he's kind of looking around he's all he's all the way out in the middle of the texas desert by himself with basically just a gun and he picks up this briefcase full of money, which is one of my favorite scenes in any movie because he's, again, this is kind of like Drive and that it's very, it's a very quiet movie. Like there's a lot of action and shit, but not a lot of dialogue. And Brolin doesn't say shit for like 10 minutes. And then he comes on this, uh, comes upon this uh, suitcase filled with hundred dollar bills and shit. And he opens it and he just kind of looks around and he goes, huh. <laughs> <And he> fucking <laughs> picks it up and takes it and that's kind of where the trouble starts is because uh javier bardem who i believe is like a he's either a hitman or he's part of the cartel in some capacity he but there's a tracking device in the briefcase that he picked up which brolin doesn't know about and then eventually finds and so it's basically bardem just chasing it down the entire time and brolin's trying to avoid uh, having it taken and shit and it's just a bunch of crazy shit again like we've said before probably doesn't look good on paper but it's a fucking awesome movie javier bardem is looking right in this movie too oh yeah uh, for sure that hair that hair and that smile look at him he looks like he's gonna <laughs> eat my fucking firstborn child but he was in collateral too and yeah. we talked about collateral earlier and he was he just had a very small part in it but uh yeah i mean it's it's crazy to like because I didn't, I mean, I always knew that in the back of my head that there was a lot of the same actors in these films, but it's not until you really get into the guts of it that you realize just how many. I, so here's the thing about Javier Bardem in this movie. He's a, uh, I, I, like you said, it's not really clear. He's definitely like a contracted hitman, but for who or who he works for or whatever. But here's my thing I, I'm not a contracted hitman, at least not yet. We, we'll see how the economy goes. But I, I feel like you shouldn't look like a fucking insane person and be a hitman. Like if I were to walk into, if they were like, Hey, there's a hitman." If, if the cops found out, Hey, there's a hitman in town and you're just kind of looking around your small Texas town and you go to the diner and you see this man, Javier Bardem with his bull cut. I'm like, it's him. It's that guy right there. Him. That guy looks fucking insane. It's clearly him. It's not any of you. It's that one right there. Let's take him in. He's not, I don't know if it's the hiding in plain sight. You're like, no one's going to mess with me if I yeah. look like this or what it is. But it just feels like that's not the route I would take, I guess, if I were to join the game. It's, it's destiny, man. Look at him. He, if you look like that, you've got to kill people. That's just how <laughs> the decision wasn't made for him. Or was made be for killed him. Got like that, yeah. We just got tired of people talking shit about your haircut and you either you either you loved that haircut so much that you were like, 
no, I'm just going to kill people instead. I'm not cutting my hair to, I'm not going to change for the world. The world has to change for me. But I also and, wonder if it was actually, if his hair was like that way in the book or if that's because it's directed by the Coen brothers. So they got to throw some, some weird goofy shit in there somehow and kind of play it down. Like it's nothing. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. This feels like a Coen brothers decision all of the way, yeah. just all of the way. And I think this is, as far as I know, like this is the one like serious movie they've directed as far as like, you know, it's not like a dark comedy. Or, I mean, there's right. funny parts about it, but it's not meant to be a comedy. It's fucking tense. Like this movie yeah. is like an edge of the seat type movie. Yeah, they no, you're totally right. Yeah, it's definitely a gripper. I'm just thinking, okay, I'm looking at this fucking, this guy's haircut. I'm like, why would you have that haircut? And then I don't know how I got to this Google. I like that you just can't let it go. But now I'm looking at Mark <laughs> Davis. Have you guys started familiar with Mark Davis? What? I'm not sure. It sounds kind of familiar. Uh, he's the owner of the Raiders. If oh, yeah, would, yeah, yeah. If y'all would Google Mark Davis for oh, a second. Oh, fuck, dude. Yeah, his hair is ridiculous. This guy is one of the richest people in the country, and that's the oh. haircut he goes with? Mark. That's, oh. that's the decision you made. Mark Davis, yeah, right there. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no. Alan uh, Davis doesn't look so bad. No, Yeah, I mean, this dude is... Uh, I don't know how you trust a grown man with bangs. <laughs> well, yeah. and they're not... They're those, like... Zuckerberg's got them. I mean, all these motherfuckers. It's like a weird bowl cut that I don't understand. You're a billionaire. You have a billion right. dollars. Right. It's like... <laughs> it, it just... It's too straight. It's just too straight. Like, even for a bowl cut, it's fucking razor straight. Yeah, you... I mean... The, and it's at the hairline, but there's somehow still... It's like he razored it along the hairline and then combed forward bangs. Yeah. How do you have a conversation with... Like, how do you fuck that? Like, does he have a wife? <laughs> He... I think no, that's that's hookers. There's no <laughs> this man met? or sex workers. So I don't want to. I'm not trying to downplay it. Hey, sex work is real hard. Because anyone that has to fuck this, this dude does like me deserves the respect on their name. I mean, no I, offense. I, he, he could be the nicest guy in the world. I really don't know. I've never met Mark. Davis. Well, he's obviously not. He's a billionaire, so there's no such thing as a moral billionaire. We know that. And <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Don't get Cody started on billionaires. Yeah, we'll be here for 35 fucking minutes. But uh, this guy, imagine you're, you're an NFL player, all right? You're, and this is your boss. Uh huh. Like exactly. You're, you're, like how do you take him seriously? Your your physical perfection, damn near. Uh -huh. Like I would. The, <laughs> to me, this is this is just one of those things. I mean, A, once again, we're not billionaires, so it's hard for us to necessarily understand. But to me, this just feels like one like the great power plays of all of all time. Like this yeah. just feels like you you've lost the thrill of life because you've done it all. You've literally you've seen you've seen all of the great sights, all the seven wonders, you've done all of the drugs, you've had all of the crazy orgies. You've ridden, uh, you've ridden in fast cars and flown in private jets. At some point, life has lost its thrill. So the only way you right. get your kicks is to just fuck with people. And, right. the, and the quickest way you can do that is by fucking with your own appearance and making people <laughs> have to, want, like you said, have to have a conversation with you because you are very important. But they can't do anything. Like because you know, if they keep looking up. You'd be like, is there something wrong? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, like, right. No, 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 um, no, nothing. Um, yeah, so <laughs> the quarterly numbers, it just feels like, once again, just the right. ultimate power play. But let's, oh, now yeah, that we locked we got that out of the way, I'm going to lock in American Gangster. You're going to lock that one in? Yeah, I'm going American Gangster. But you said you've seen both of these, right? Yes, I have. Okay, okay. I just really like American Gangster. I thought it was really good. Oh, it's a great movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's one of the long ones too, which we were talking about earlier. I love that shit. I can't. Oh, we're do, gonna, like, oh, we're gonna talk about long ones. Don't 
don't you worry. We'll talk about the timing of how long these fucking movies can feel the need to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go no country for old men. Uh, I, I think out of once again, I, I, I'm just so much more interested in, yeah, the, like kind of the weirdness of it. And just in the, the, of the two movies I haven't seen, this has been the one that I think has gripped me the most as far as what I, what I want to spend my time watching so shane we're going to you well both of these movies are insanely watchable like both of them like i could anytime they're on tv i just have to stop even if it's like an edited version and just fucking i'm glued to the set god these are two like tbs movies aren't they yeah like you yeah for sure you you turn on tbs right now one of (laughs) these tnt yeah or tnt (laughs) exactly you turn it on one of these movies is playing right now yeah for for sure. sure but as far as like watching this shit i really dig the fact that no country for old men is so tense and like doesn't let up either it's like non-stop it's like most movies will have you on your on your fucking toes for five minutes and then give up this one is like an hour and a half of being on your toes and you're like jesus christ when's it gonna end yeah for that reason alone i gotta go with that i gotta go with no country let's do yeah. it Fair. all right so no country moving on where it will face either good fellas or reservoir dogs Cody, I'm sorry I brought up socialism. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. All right. All right. Man. So I'm a communist, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Let's have you give us the rundown real quick for these two films. Start with Goodfellas. All right. So Goodfellas, I mean, it's it's the top of the heap. I mean, as far as uh, gangster movies are concerned, it's, it's just looking at the poster. You're like, oh, that's yeah, that's probably gonna win. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got but, yeah, man. Ray Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci. Like, it's the trifecta of all mob movies ever. Mm -hmm. And anything with Pesci in it is usually going to be top tier, except for The Irishman. That was kind of a piece of shit. I heard Pesci was really good in that, though. That that was, like, he came, like, they kind of pulled him out of retirement to get him back to do it. And, like, he's the the saving grace of The Irishman. For sure, yeah. He carried that movie, for sure. And there was, and Pacino was good, too. But it was that one is one of the few movies that was long that didn't need to be like that they could have cut about an hour and a half out of that and like they really lost me when at the beginning of the irishman like uh de niro went into some grocers and beat the shit out of people and they didn't even try to make it look real they just showed him kicking someone on the ground and he completely missed and but they played the sound effect and i was like man marty is just falling off what is going on with this guy i love scorsese but i can't even admit that that was okay that was right. that was just a cash in is what this was yeah man i don't know Netflix man. is coming with that money you gotta you gotta take it <laughs> exactly. while, you gotta get it while you can and there was good parts about it. i like the fact that action bronson was in it as like a funeral director or some shit <laughs> at the end towards the end when he was like selling caskets or whatever that was fucking hilarious but yeah for the most part i was pretty disappointed with but not Goodfellas. Goodfellas is like top of the heap. I mean, I like the fact that uh, Henry Hill is, you know, and this one takes place in, I think, the 50s, 60s, something like that. And this is based on a true story as well. I'm sure there's quite a bit of embellishment, as there yeah. usually is with this type of shit. But I think for the most part, it stayed pretty true to the, the book that was written by, I can't remember the guy who wrote the book, but it was based on Henry Hill. And they show him as a little kid, and he's kind of coming under the wing of some real serious gangsters. And I, I always like that feel of like tutelage, you know, like at the beginning of a movie, mm-hmm. like they're going to take him in as an innocent kid and kind of show him the way, but also like not make him do any of the dirty shit. And then like, once he's in his twenties, then he's going to do the dirty shit. <laughs> I just always found that premise kind of 
fascinating. And I'm sure that's actually how it goes for a lot of these. these oh yeah. People. They want to get you in. It's like having you, you having seen all this stuff and not told anyone makes you an accomplice. So by the time you're oh, old yeah. enough when they ask you to do it, they already have stuff over you. It's like, yeah, for sure. And then the fact that like drugs come into the equation and like all the mobsters are the, the career veteran mobsters are like really trying to stay away from that shit because they want to keep their hands clean in terms of like not fucking up, fucking up the business. And like when drugs enter into the equation, it gets really sloppy and really messy. And then lo and behold, like Henry Hill becomes the one fuck up and he's constantly doing Coke and he's dealing Coke and, just slinging his dick all over town and uh, it's a great he just gets in tons of trouble yeah and basically they kind of turn their back on him in the end and he fucks him over and kind of becomes a rat and puts everybody away yeah yeah it's a weird movie as far as like not to say that movies generally need to have like good guy and a bad guy but you know the henry hill is the main protagonist that you're following throughout the whole thing but you you aren't really left knowing like wait who was i cheering for in goodfellas because yeah, exactly. everyone here is is uh not the best but i do agree uh i i did like a lot of what you're saying too it is definitely you know so drawn to the town then that's why it made it onto this list is because the ending is actually happy for the criminal like ben affleck gets away and oh yeah don't see that in movies like that but this one everybody gets fucked like equally it's just it's really kind of a depressing story and then the fact that it's true is even more depressing but yeah, it's a great movie, great acting. Everybody in it is good. We're talking yeah. about a movie where everyone gets fucked in the end. We can also talk about Reservoir Dogs. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. God damn. That movie, I mean, it's just like, I don't know, man. I Tarantino's a lot to handle. Like, I, obviously, I've never met the guy. But if you watch him in interviews and shit, like, you can only listen for about a minute and a half. And you're like, all right, that's enough. Because <laughs> he just he's so like obsessed with movies and he gets so like worked up when he's like talking out loud to himself and shit like that. But that's also what makes him such a great director. And the fact that he pulled all these huge stars together with not a lot of money, as far as I remember, like it was a very low budget. And then he made like, he basically made a movie inside of a warehouse. I mean, that's, you know, two thirds of the movie take place in a warehouse on the floor or in, you know, one of the rooms in the warehouse and it's just like it's completely character driven which is fucking awesome Hardy Keitel is amazing he's he's so good um Tarantino himself is good in that movie Buscemi's in it you know all these all these amazing and again but not necessarily with mob movies in this cast but with Tarantino he recycles uh actors quite a bit too like every single movie he's got at least two or three common threads in there so well this is kind of I mean I can't remember is this of this is this his first is this the first Tarantino or is Pulp Fiction come before this? No, this is the first one that he actually was completely all him. He had written scripts and shit like that yeah. before. I think he, uh, yeah, True Romance was his first movie that he actually wrote, as far yeah. as I can remember. Yeah, no, that 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 feels true to me, and it's and we're not going to look it up. So, no, I think it definitely has, like you said, it, it, it is his first time getting a shot at it. But like you said, yeah, this it kind of has that Adam Sandler feeling of like, once he made it big with these guys, he's like, oh, you always have a role. Anytime yeah, you need sure. space on, uh, anytime you need a job, just call me up. I got space for I you. I will write a movie for you. Yeah, yeah, we'll get you there. And look at that right there on the screen. It says budget was what, one to two million? Yeah, somewhere. 1.2 to 3 million? Jesus Christ, that's nothing. nothing. Like, yeah, it's no. crazy that he even got Harvey Keitel in for that much. Right. 
It's a, uh, I mean, and this is the movie too, that the fun nickname, you know, everyone, no one can know who each other are. So we're all just colors, Mr. Brown, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, yeah. Mr. Blue. All of these, both these movies are definitely um, uh, redone in cartoons and stuff and like TV like. Oh, wow. these are basically, I mean, both these movies come, I mean, uh, Goodfellas comes out in 1990. What is Reservoir Dogs comes out in 92. Every, almost then every like famous, like, like little moments, little vignettes. So many of those get ripped off from these movies. Like the Mexican standoff, that's, I mean, that's Reservoir Dogs. When you have yeah. three people all with guns on each other and it's like, who shoots first? That's, yeah. that is, but but then, I mean, we don't care about spoilers here. That is the only time where the Mexican standoff pays off and everyone fucking dies. <laughs> like how it would actually go. It's yeah. A lot of people treat it like, it's so tense, no one's going to shoot. And then you see what happens when the- yeah that trigger actually gets pulled and you're like oh that's very satisfying yeah they would all fucking shoot yeah animaniacs did good feathers and you know how they do like (laughs) comedy so they had literally had a whole cartoon that was based off goodfellas except it was birds that's hilarious (laughs) but also i i I do like that uh and this this is his first effort but i love when uh directors create their own worlds and like it's not like super tight but it's noticeable like one of the uh, the main characters, I forget the name of the guy who plays him, but uh, his last name is Vega. And yeah, the other guy in, in uh, Pulp Fiction, Vincent Vega, played by, what the fuck is his name? John Travolta, Jesus, right? What's that? Travolta, right? Yeah, Travolta. The other so Vega. they would have been, so in this universe, they're brothers. And that was going to be one of Tarantino's movies. He was going to do a movie about the two brothers. Yeah, yeah. Which would have been fucking awesome. But I love like the little shit here and there. Like he's, you know, like branding in these movies. Like he's got his own brand of cigarettes called Red Apples and you see him in every single movie and then like cereals and just shit that's in the background that nobody else would pick up on. Like Tarantino has completely written out and create like fleshed out an entire universe for all these characters to exist in at the same time. It's fucking cool, man. And as much shit as Tarantino gets from a lot of people, I... As far as I'm concerned, he's probably my favorite director. Yeah, I've seen both these movies. And if I had to watch, if you asked me like to watch one right now, I'd probably go Reservoir Dogs, actually. Yeah. Although I did like Goodfellas a lot. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a tough one in that sense of like, if the question is, which one would I want to watch again? You know, I... I just I just recently saw Goodfellas, like within two weeks before I even knew that we were going to do this. I, I watched Goodfellas and it was great. It's like, I, I, every, like I said, you see like everything else is then based off. This is the this is the Rosetta Stone for how crime movies are essentially going to be made from here on out. And yeah. and so for that, I was like, man, that movie, it's it's so good. But then when it comes to like, yeah, if I had to pick one to rewatch, Reservoir Dogs is just snappier. Like it just, it just flies by. And all of a sudden, like you said, well, and the fact, like you said too, Shane, like that they spend, like you said, two thirds of the movie is basically just in a warehouse with them kind of breaking down like what happened, where did things go wrong, whose fault is what, and just all of the, the crazy moments. But I mean, I gotta go with my favorite. Now one of my new favorite scenes in any movie is literally is in Goodfellas when he starts to his who eventually becomes his wife and they start dating and he like doesn't like her he's not even interested she so he bails on the second date she comes back and just gives him all this shit in the world and like it's a really beautiful you're like oh that is how that would work like yeah he shows this fire and then when they go on the next date and they're at the Copacabana club and like oh yeah that's a great shot 
that's the like, yeah, it's this like long tracking shot of them going like the, they, they go to the Copacabana line out the door. And it's yeah. the whole thing that makes you want to be a gangster because he says, he's like, fuck this line, go straight through the back, through the kitchen. He's dapping up all the homies. Everyone's <laughs> like, how's your mother? All of this shit. And then gets to the place is fucking packed. And then the manager sees them and he's like, Henry, we got you fucking grab, yeah. gets a table out of nowhere puts it in front of the stage and they're like, this is for you. And everyone is like sh- getting in bottle service. Everyone's looking, you're like, yeah, yeah. no, I'll be a criminal for that. Like that's, that's what yeah, I do. And, and the yeah. girl he's with, it's just like, who the fuck is this guy? Like all of a sudden, <laughs> like everybody wants that feeling of being like so important that like, but also yes. anonymous at the same time. Yes. Yeah. That you're not, it's why is that dude getting all of this, all of this? Like he, like you're like, must be famous. And then his just line is like, oh yeah, I'm in construction. You're like, what yeah, the exactly. So good. I and they both. Like, it's it's tricky too because both these movies has have amazing soundtracks and oh, especially yeah. Reservoir Dogs oh. because throughout the entire movie they have uh, Stephen Wright, the comedian who is playing the radio announcer and like announcing every song that's going to come on as it comes on. It's just such a cool vibe throughout the entire thing. But having said that, Goodfellas has an amazing fucking soundtrack. I would it. watch Pesci in Goodfellas just rip into people for no reason i love those scenes where he's like oh i amuse you i'm a mu- i am a funny guy yeah. oh i make you laugh it's like or the shine box scene that's one of my all-time favorite scenes like where billy bats gets out of wait is that his name yeah billy bats he gets out of prison and he's like hey he's at that birthday party or whatever and he looks over at pesh and he's like hey you're not shining shoes anymore and he's like no, oh no, no more shoes <laughs> he just will not he's unrelenting he's just and then he's like, nah, I'm just busting your balls. And then it goes quiet. And he's like, I'll go get your fucking shine box. Yeah. And, like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he just fucking kills the guy. A made guy puts yeah. him in the trunk and buries him. Oh, dude. I, it's, it's for me. It's Goodfellas. I gotta, I gotta go I, Goodfellas I, in this. I'm locking in Goodfellas. We're talking crime movies. I think that's the way to go. I, Unanimous. It's Goodfellas. All right. We'll move it. We'll move it on against No Country for Old Men. And I mean, I got to be honest here. This isn't I, even a contest. Yeah, I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. It's, I mean, it's fucking good, fellas. It is, like, I mean, I already said, it's the, it's, it's this and The Godfather are like, every crime movie you've seen afterwards is based off of those two things. Like, yeah. it's from that point on, that's what every crime movie gets lifted off of. That's why Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and and all those guys are always in those movies because they were in those two movies or yeah. series. Like they set, they laid the groundwork for every crime movie ever. Like yeah, for sure. Ray Liotta has a career going on over <laughs> thirty years because he was Henry Hill in Goodfellas. Talk and about another dude what, you just want to sculpt. Can right? I, like, okay, wait, can we talk about this actually? Thank you, because so we're- Oh my God. So we're going to watch, so uh, the reason I watched Goodfellas so recently, like I said, didn't know we were gonna do this, but we it was a Sunday and we had the whole day and we're like, let's watch it, you know, like let's sit down and watch a movie. And I, and I had mentioned to my fiance that I, you know, I had mentioned how there are just some movies I've never seen like Goodfellas and Godfather. And she's like, you've never seen Goodfellas. And so we, she's like, that's what we're watching. Get on the couch, we're gonna turn that on. We get it. We turn it on within five minutes. She's like, I think the only reason I want to watch Goodfellas is so I can look at Ray Liotta. Not my Ray wife Liotta. says the exact same thing. Oh, dude, crazy. Wait, I no. do not see this. this no, I don't think he's a bad looking guy, but I, but to say like, I mean, that's putting him on that level. Like I said, we just talked about Ryan Gosling. I can watch a movie just with Ryan Gosling's beautiful man face. Ray Liotta, like, 
he's i'm not saying he's not a bad looking dude but yeah. like does he have that pull what is that what's that energy? wild about him he he's got his mouth is small like minimal compared to what it should be <laughs> yes and also he's got this weird gift where he only gains weight in his face yeah the jowls <laughs> yeah. it's yes. he's like yeah. a shredded young dude with jowls it's like how do you what happened to you that's a, yeah and that's another movie like when he got huge like not fat but like like a brick shit house he got huge for this movie called narc have you guys yeah. ever seen that i almost I put that on this list fuck that's a good movie but yeah, he plays, I think he plays like a crooked cop or something in that one. And he just like, he's all shoulders and neck. And he's just like, Jesus Christ, I wouldn't fuck with that guy. Shoulders, neck, and jowl. That's it. <laughs> I just like, I mean, I'm looking at pictures of Ray Liotta. Once again, he doesn't do it for me. He, no, I'm not, no part of when me. When he is, was super young, he looked like he was wearing eyeliner all the time. Maybe that's it. Yeah, Maybe there's I mean, like he's a got fucking, those. Yeah, he's got crazy eyes. Like he, He's got that Johnny Depp vibe to the eyes where he just constantly looks like he's all made up. He does yeah. look like he would fucking like casting in that movie is great because he looks like he'll cut you like <laughs> no questions asked. Yeah, he, I he'd beat the shit out of me. And I, he's still old. I, I'm talking like right now. This is also this, in uh, Killing Him Softly with Brad Pitt, which is a great movie. I almost put that on here. We're going to have to do another round of this shit. Yeah, we already so got the that. Yeah, every episode you drop like three, four video <laughs> movies that it's like, damn, those should have made the cut. So, no, I just think I that's going to be what please anyone please let us let me know what the thing with Ray Liotta is because I just what is the Mac like the animal magnetism that this dude's bringing to to it but yeah I, I do want to sculpt him th yeah there is no contest for me I I'm gonna say Goodfellas in the, into the next round yeah me too Shane for sure yep and I like that uh Karen uh his wife uh Liotta's in uh, Goodfellas ends up being the psychiatrist for uh, Tony Soprano too oh shit once nice. again in the universe yes yeah. <laughs> i mean i know sopranos isn't a movie but it, it definitely goes to show it's about that to be though they're coming out with the prequel as a movie that's gonna be fucking awesome oh yeah and it's uh his son um yeah what's his face tony the actor who played tony soprano I can't remember his name yeah but yeah his son is playing young tony soprano which is cool yeah it's gonna be awesome yeah so all right well good fellas moving on into the final four uh, and that is it for us, folks. Thank you so much for listening to Friendly Competition. A few ways if you want to help out your boys is share with a friend. Just tell tell a friend about it. Get them get them riled. Find out why they think Ray Liotta is attractive. Just everyone <laughs> ask your friends, why is Ray Liotta attractive? And just send us that information. And then I'm we're going to put together, right. we're together a spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah. I got a documentary that I've been trying to start and I think I finally figured out what it's going to be on. And it's just, why is Ray Liotta attractive? It's oh. this attractive. Yeah. A whole lot of Liotta. I remember yeah. you were talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, uh, but otherwise, wherever you uh, make sure to wherever you are listening to this, follow, subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff as well. Yep. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media accounts. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Just look up at friendly comp pod. If you have an idea for a whole season you'd like to see us do, email those to us at friendlycompetitionpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can submit those through our website, friendlycompetitionpodcast.com. If it's good, we'll do it as a season and we'll give you a shout out every episode of that season. And as always, shout outs to Charizard for our intro and outro music. If you want to hear more of their stuff, head on over to Bandcamp, type in Charizard, replace the vowels with sixes. And a shout out uh, to Shane for being our guest expert. Shane, do you want to tell the people where to find you? Yeah, all of uh, social media is just Shane Schroeder. And then uh, my website is shaneart.com. Again, chart.com is taken. So sorry. <laughs> and Shane, uh, he's, he's too humble to bring brag here but 
that he is an incredible artist. So go check out his stuff. Get get some prints. They look they fucking dope in your house. So thanks, thanks, man. And uh, that is it. Group C gonna drop on Monday. But until then, I've been Nick Keller and I'm Cody Lena and I'm Shane Schroeder. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. Oh Happy yeah, to. we've got and two more, baby. Yeah, we'll see uh, you on the boat. See you on the boat. Oh, I don't know why I was going to take it from you. Sorry. Don't say that. I got to do it again. See you on the boat. That's my thing. (laughs) 